Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. I'm Andrea Askowitz. I'm Allison Langer. And this is Writing Class Radio. Together, we produce this podcast, which is Equal Hearts Heart and Art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. And by art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. <laughs> There's no place in the world like writing class. And we want to bring you in. This is episode 80. We're starting season nine. Every 10 episodes, we start a new season with new theme music. It's a new beginning, I hope. But as always, you'll hear true personal stories and learn a little bit about how to write your own stories. And maybe you can hear in my voice that I am so stressed out because we are recording this in the middle of the coronavirus. So... My three kids have been home from school for almost two weeks now. And though as much as I'd like to complain, we have plenty of toilet paper, food, and meditation apps to keep me from losing my mind. Plus, my hair is growing back, and it's it's at a really awkward stage, so I don't really have to go out in public. And everybody's all masked up, so I don't look as freaky when I go into Whole Foods now. Before, like, I kept getting these wacko weird looks when I was in there. Obviously, this bald lady with a beanie and a mask, everybody knew. But now, you don't know who's got what. Coronavirus is the great equalizer. It's true. Today on our show, we're talking about what we can't stop talking about, the coronavirus. We're going to be bringing you two stories One is by our own Andrea Askowitz, still in Madrid, and Madrid happens to be, at this time of recording, one of the most contagious cities on Earth. So wait, let me just explain quickly that um, every single day, for my own sanity, because we cannot leave the house in Madrid, you can't even walk on the street more than a block, or you get a ticket. So I have been holed up here, it's been 10 days, and I need exercise. So every afternoon, my daughter comes in and puts on some music. She's our DJ and we dance. It's been the only thing that kind of relaxes me and saves me. And so I've been posting those videos on Facebook. Writing and posting my videos is the things that have saved me because I'm a little bit nervous on the inside. We're going to share Andrea's story. And we also have a story by Sari Botten. She is the editor of Long Reads. And in Sari's essay, she gives us permission to tell our stories, even if they feel petty. People do say that, oh, my God, you're going to go write your story. We're all in crisis. But you know what? Stories matter. And if you're one of those people who feels like they need to produce, 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 Sari also gives us permission to take the pressure of producing off. So put down your pen if that's what you need to do during a crisis. We talk a lot on our show about situation and story. And sometimes people send us stories that are really just a situation. They haven't brought to the essay what they've learned, how the narrators changed, or anything more than just the situation. And what we're looking for, and which you will see in both of the stories we bring you today, that there has to be something more. Both these stories examine the situation and bring us something more about the human condition. Here's Andrea reading her story, Voluntary Social Distancing is Bullshit. 
I couldn't be trusted. Ten days ago, life was normal. Or I hoped it was. Italy was on lockdown, but that was Italy. I'm in Spain and wanted to be tranquila, like my fellow Españolas. Tranquility is the reason I'm in Spain with my family for a year. I'm trying to live less like an American, which means less stressed out. I'm also trying to learn Spanish. So while my kids, who are 11 and 16, go to a Spanish school, so do I. It was a Tuesday. I woke up thinking maybe I had a sore throat. Could this be coronavirus? Don't be crazy. Maybe I slept with my mouth open. Maybe it's acid reflux. I get it when I'm stressed. Stress can cause illness, you know that. Maybe you've already made yourself sick. Could this be psychosomatic? Don't be a psycho. I took a thousand milligrams of vitamin C and went to Spanish class. Our classroom is 10 by five, if that. Students from all over the world sit around one table, rubbing elbows like in a stuffy restaurant. On Tuesday, my classmates included someone from Taiwan, Japan, the U.S., and two from Germany. I've been in class since September, and I've shared the table with people from Ireland, England, Russia, United Arab Emirates, and Italy. One of the coolest things I wasn't expecting when I came to Madrid was collecting an international group of friends. We're like a mini United Nations, bonding over our love of Spanish grammar. We've gotten coffee after class. We've had dinners at each other's apartments. That Tuesday, I wondered if class was a danger zone. The night before I went to Spanish class, the Spanish health minister closed all schools, primary through university. I went thinking it would be our last class for at least two weeks. I thought our teacher would lay out our homework so we could keep up at home. For the first time, our teacher offered hand sanitizer, but no one used it. I didn't use it because I didn't want to look like a neurotic American. Class started like any other day. Then the director came in and said, school will stay open. I felt an immediate rush of heat to my face. Without thinking, I said, I think that's irresponsible. Our director said, well, that's one opinion. In class, we'd learn the Spanish expression, sacar punta, which means something like throwing an unpleasant topic into the conversation. But what I did was even worse because no one said anything. Class continued, but I couldn't concentrate. Why did I blurt that out? I am that neurotic American. I went out to the reception and told our director I was sorry. He said if students want to come, he'd keep the school open. We're all adults. I get it. He didn't want to panic. And this small business is his livelihood. But what do we do when someone's livelihood is pitted against the possibility that people might get sick, especially when that sickness can kill? Since the coronavirus broke out, everyone I've spoken to in Madrid is extremely chill. Before all of Spain went on mandatory lockdown, I was in a taxi when the news came on the radio and announced the latest number of coronavirus cases. 
The cab driver said, we have nothing to worry about. That Madrid has the best public health system in Europe. The man at the supermarket checkout said more people die from the flu. My friend Juan, who has become my private Spanish teacher, said this is all hysteria. Women can make themselves pregnant with their minds, he said. They can blow up their stomachs with air. The day before lockdown, I hung out with Juan. I was introduced to him by a good friend. Juan spent several years on the street before getting his life together. Now he works in a bookstore. He's not quite Giovanni from Eat, Play, Love, but he's a really fun companion. I was nervous all morning before meeting him. What do I do about the kisses on both cheeks? You can't greet a Spaniard without kissing on both cheeks. It's a cultural slight. But this is even worse. Juan was homeless. He'll think, I think he's dirty. He was already sitting at an outdoor cafe when I approached. He stood up. I stopped on the other side of the table. I didn't walk around the table like I normally would. I sat down. Safe. We talked. We laughed. When I got up to leave, he said, Ben aquí. And then I was pressing my cheek against his cheek and then my other cheek against his other cheek. Oh God, I was bullied. No, it wasn't his fault. I could have explained I didn't want to infect him, that I was afraid of getting infected myself. I know he's not afraid to die. He told me he's afraid he won't die. I am afraid to die. And I still kissed him because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Fuck. The next day, the Spanish cabinet put Spain on lockdown. Now you can only leave your house to get food or medicine. You can't even go for a run. And it's a good thing because adults can't be trusted. Suggested social distancing does not work. It didn't work for me, someone who was already scared, because I didn't want to appear crazy, because I wanted so badly for things to be normal, because I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings, because I wanted to be like my Spanish peers. I feel safe now, locked down with my kids. I can't do anything stupid to jeopardize myself or anyone else because now socializing at any distance is against the law. Before the sun has wrestled through our blinds My body wakes me up A quiet dream finale breathes from your lips I don't have that many, like, harsh comments, but I will say that I loved hearing your thoughts. It's like what was going on in the narrator's mind. Oh, God, don't be psycho, and why did I do that? I love that, and I could even have more of that. I think I love it so much because it pulls me into the story. It makes me feel like I'm having a really intimate conversation with this person. I'm getting, like, the secret info, and I love knowing the secret info. It's funny, though, because in a regular conversation, you wouldn't really get that. I didn't tell Juan what I was really thinking. I was afraid. But was it because no. he was homeless and he had no, no. like... No, 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 no. You know, he's so not, what did he, that have no to do with homeless. it? Yeah, no, right. so I just I was, don't think that that had anything to do with it. You threw that in there. The narrator threw it in there. Oh, why? Because I was afraid that he would think that that's why I didn't want to kiss him. Yeah, but did you? But, did that occur to you, like, when he... 
oh my God, he was homeless. Is he still homeless? Is he? No, no. But it did occur to me that I didn't want to kiss him or anybody. I mean, he wasn't taking it seriously. He was riding the bus every day to meet with me. Like he was, you know, he was trying to, he was offering me um, lotion. I was like, no, I don't want your lotion. Why do I want your lotion? He's like, kill the virus. I'm like, your lotion does not have alcohol in it. Like he was making fun of me. Shh. Right here, I'm going to make you stop. And this is why I'm going to make you stop. If this was important, it needed to be in the piece. And I do think it is more important than the fact that this man was homeless. And quite frankly, looking back, I would cut it and add in the, the information that you knew this man was going back and forth on public transportation and you felt unsafe. You can speak now. <laughs> Thank you so much. (laughs) Wait, which part should I cut? I don't need to mention that he was homeless. You're saying I need to mention that he was riding on the bus and offering me hand cream that was not hand sanitizer. That's probably true. But the reason why I, I do think that the homeless thing matters in that it's like there was this, there's two cultural things happening that were happening for me because I'm in Spain. You have to greet every single person that you meet with a kiss on both cheeks. That's just culture here. And I was afraid to do it. But then there was this added element to why I was afraid because I didn't want to offend him further. First, because he's Spanish and that's what you do to Spanish people. And second, because he was homeless. And so now maybe he was going to think, oh, she thinks I'm dirty. Get what I mean? So I was having this like psychological battle with myself. And I ended up kissing him because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. And I'm not even someone who doesn't care about hurting feelings. I'm pretty good at hurting feelings, really. And still I couldn't. I just, I think there's a lot of factors. Like there are so many cultural factors that drive human behavior. I tried to talk about the emotional factors that were at play for me, for why I wasn't following social distancing practices. No, I get it. I get it. Okay. So anyway, that's something to be aware of always. Every word you put in causes questions for the reader or the listener. Like when Andrea and I talk, when we send pieces back and forth to each other, these are the conversations we have. When you're writing a story, you have to ask yourself why you're writing the story, but you also have to ask yourself what you're trying to say. Is it a homeless person or somebody who rides public transportation? Does that word homeless matter in this story? That's what makes your story great, knowing why it's in there. After the break, you'll hear Sari Botten reading her essay. We're back. This is Allison Langer, and you are listening to Writing Class Radio. Here's Sari Botten, the editor of Long Reads, with her story called Why I'm Giving Myself Permission to Keep Writing at This Time. The timing of the coronavirus pandemic has been convenient for exactly no one. For some writers' careers, it's been devastating. They've had their book releases eclipsed, their tours canceled, their sales thrown off by readers' new economic precarity. Several years' worth of hard work and anticipation thrown largely down the drain, although some have been holding virtual book tours and social media posts imploring people to support authors by ordering their books could help. Please do this if you are able. If the pandemic continues in varying degrees through fall 2021, as some scientists are predicting, lots of other writers will be similarly affected, along with bookstores and the entire publishing industry. It's been ill-timed for me personally, too. 
It comes just as my agent has begun negotiating the contract for the memoir and essays I have been working on for years, my first solo book after publishing anthologies. I have been playing what feels like the world's longest game, being dogged but patient in my pursuit of a deal. I'm hoping the small indie publisher we've chosen to go with will be able to ride this out and I'll get to go forward as planned. But who knows? It's been challenging, though, to feel as if my publishing plans and my writing in general matter at all right now. In the midst of a global health crisis that is disrupting lives and killing people, it feels frivolous to even think about my book, continue with my newsletter, or write anything at all that is not virus-related. This, after decades of struggling to overcome a feeling common to many women, that my story doesn't matter and I don't have permission to tell it. Last week, I took a walk through a bucolic Kingston Cemetery where my ancestors are buried, and it brought to the fore something I've been thinking about since this pandemic began. My great-grandmother, Frida Fisher Kemp, died at 25 in the influenza epidemic in the early 20th century. I know almost nothing about her life or her experience of getting sick and dying young. She left behind my grandmother, Clarice Kemp Maskett, who was just three at the time, and her husband, Elias Kemp, who had a nervous breakdown following the loss of his young wife and sent my grandmother to live with an aunt and uncle in the Bronx. These are the only parts of Frida's story that anyone in my family has ever talked about. It's all I know about her, what I wouldn't give to know her story from her point of view. Clarice went on to die relatively young, too, of breast cancer at 55. I was six and a half, and I adored her, but I know so little about who she was beyond a little girl's idealized Nana. I've had many motivations for wanting to write and publish my memoir, but one that keeps me particularly focused is the realization that both of my grandmothers died around my age. My other grandmother, Sally Cohen-Botten, died at 53 of a brain tumor. I am 54. I think often of a George Eliot quote, it's never too late to be what you might have been. But my grandmothers didn't live long enough to be who they might have been. Maybe I am getting to. Maybe my story about that will affect someone else while I'm alive and later when I'm gone. Maybe it's true what they say, that you teach what you most need to learn. Clearly, I wouldn't be in the line of work I'm in, helping people tell their stories, if I didn't believe people's stories mattered. So that settles it. My story matters, and so does yours. I'm giving myself permission to write as I feel called to through this dark time. And if you need permission from anyone other than yourself, I'm giving it to you too. I'm not shirking any responsibilities to do it, I'm helping others out, staying connected to loved ones, making donations to helpful organizations as I can, doing my job. But when I am so motivated, I am going to take a moment to write about what is happening inside me and around me. I will tell myself first what I think and feel, and maybe later share it with the world. Lately, I've been writing in the wee hours of the morning when anxiety about this mind-boggling, ever-changing catastrophe keeps me awake. 
It feels good to be productive, to get my thoughts out of my head and into a Word document. Who knows how much of it I will ever publish? The effort still feels worthwhile. Sometimes thoughts will come to me before I'm ready to explore them more deeply. My feelings are too raw. I might not have gotten enough critical distance from the experience to delve into it. I try to jot even a few lines about it anyway so that later, when I'm readier to tackle the subject, I have some notes from when I was going through it, even if the notes are rough. Since 2005, I've kept a running Word document where I capture these kinds of thoughts. I also maintain a Google spreadsheet with story ideas. As soon as one comes to me, I try to get it down before it's lost. The Notes app on my iPhone is the fallback for when I'm not near my computer. I can't tell you how many times a few lines I jotted in a white-hot moment of anguish came in handy later. I recommend setting yourself up to capture your thoughts easily anytime they come up. We are living in interesting times. I would argue too interesting. There will be things to say about it now and in the future. Let yourself say them if you want to. A caveat. This is not meant to impose pressure or judgment on anyone. I've noticed many writers posting on social media about how their anxiety has hampered their ability to concentrate and how they are instead giving themselves permission to take time away from their writing. I support that choice, and I will note that despite my early morning writing sessions, I myself am finding it difficult to string words together at any significant volume. Last week, Roseanne Cash tweeted about how Shakespeare wrote King Lear while quarantined during the Black Plague, which I found eye-opening. Then literary Twitter started joking about it with quips like, no pressure, and I totally get it. I love this story. It so, feels so relevant and important to me right now. This one really felt so meaningful on many levels. It's not only like about giving herself permission to write right now and you know, tapping into this like universal feeling that so many women don't feel like their stories matter, but also she goes back to the flu of the 20th century and how that killed her great-grandmother, and now how her great-grandmother didn't get to tell her story. Just, ugh. She just made such a great case for the importance of telling stories by giving us history and her own personal history. I loved it. What I love so much about it is that it's, I think it's such a universal thing, even if you don't write, like even just complaining about having my kids at home, and there's no school, and everything like that, I was like, Ugh, you know, we don't we, we haven't been given permission to bitch and complain because we are very fortunate. We're alive. We're not infected. We have our families around us. Even if you're not a writer, it's like I think it hit it's home. okay to feel your pain. When I read a story like this, I feel like this woman gets me 
And I feel like maybe you felt like, Jesus, I get her and she gets me and we're all in this together. And it, it the connection is so powerful. And that's why we're here, you know, telling stories because they are powerful. They make us feel less alone. Okay, so let's talk about all the things that she did well. Well, one of the things that she did so well was in like two or three paragraphs, she told her whole family history very succinctly. And then that revealed why it's another reason why telling her stories matter because her great grandmother and then her grandmother died so young and now she feels like she has to tell her stories before she dies that got me stakes huge stakes like shit somebody said okay yes we want to publish this and because of this whole scenario it's delayed and hopefully and probably in this situation not too long but it could be She could never get her story out because of this. It's possible. It's possible that her small publishing house goes under. I mean, it is so universal, this feeling of time. Have we... Like everything I've worked for, for not. (sighs) Everybody's feeling it in one way or another. So the other thing that I really loved is that um, she comes out on the offensive with this story. So she's saying, listen, I'm going to write and this is why... You know, she gives us a thesis on why she's going to write and why it's important. I need to tell my stories and my stories matter because there's a huge history of women feeling like our stories are petty and small and they're not. And then she makes a really great case of why they're not. And her case is very personal. It's because she wants to know and wishes she knew the stories of her grandmother and her great grandmother. I know so little about who she was beyond a little girl's idealized Nana. That is so beautiful. And her writing is so clear and succinct. And I I really enjoyed her writing. I could feel her voice and her personality through this. She seemed strong but determined. Yeah, she's excellent. If you're interested in writing right now, Sari listed several free resources for writers. And instead of including them here in the story, we added them to the show notes. And we will include them on social media. Thank you, Sari Botten. Sari Botten is the editor of Long Reads. She edited the award-winning Goodbye to All That, Writers on Loving and Leaving New York, and the New York Times bestselling Never Can Say Goodbye, Writers on Their Unshakable Love for New York. She's been published in the big ones, all the big ones. I'm jealous. And she teaches at the TMI Project, Catapult and Skillshare. Thank you, Sari Botten, and thank you for listening. Writing Class Radio is produced by Virginia Laura, Andrea Askwitz, and me, Allison Langer. Ariel Henley is our media specialist. Theme music by Emia. Additional music by Ari Herstan, Justina Chandler, and Poddington Bear. If you love this show and enjoy all the extras on our website, hit the support us button. And check out the writing classes and publishing insight we are giving our Patreon supporters. $10 a month gets you an all-access pass to Andrea's publishing conversations, discussions, questions, everything. $25 a month gets you a writing class a week with me. The classes are via Zoom meeting and are for one hour. We'll write to a prompt and share what we wrote. For the month of April 2020, the first month is free with a sign up. Because we really believe that everyone needs to write right now and we know that people are financially stressed. A new episode will drop the first Wednesday of the month, so look for us. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours?
come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.